Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This episode is one of my all-time favorite episodes that I've ever recorded. It's with Inner Circle member Anthony, who's a young guy, incredibly sweet, as you'll hear, and he really just wanted to come on and ask me a bunch of questions. So we talk about a lot. We talk about goal setting. We talk about how to stay full in a calorie deficit. We talk about why people might have unhealthy relationships with food and how to fix that. We, we talk about everything. I really think you're going to like this episode. If you do, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. They really help a lot. And with that being said, let's get into it. All right, man. Anthony, we are recording. We're live, man. How are you? All right. I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. Thank you for taking the time to hop on. I've been, I've been looking forward to this, so I'm very excited to chat. Yes, same to you. Thank you so much for doing this course, man. So, so before we dive in, I know I, I read the email and I know there are a bunch of different things you want to go over. Just do me a favor, just like introduce yourself. Let me get to know you a little bit better and then we'll dive in everything. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I am currently in college. I go to uh, UNT, University of North Texas. It's in uh, Denton, Texas. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm Did you grow music. up in Texas? I grew up in South Texas. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know if you're familiar with Corpus Christi. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a small town close to there, um, but yeah, uh, yes. But I moved up here to come to college. I'm a I'm a majoring in music, and uh, I love what I'm doing. So, yeah, um, that's amazing. Man. Do you do, do you play a bunch of different instruments? Do you have like one focus? Like what what do you do? So I I came here uh, to study voice. Um, so I sing in like in a choir and stuff. Um, but I also, I would say my bigger passion is guitar, and uh, and I also have learned to play a little bit of piano. I dabble. Um, I dabble. So, I dabble. Yeah. <laughs> I dabble with piano. I love that, man. So, so do you know? Do you have an idea of what you might like to do after college? Yeah, uh, I have a couple of ideas. Um, the main, the main goal is uh, I would love to be, I would love to make my own music. Um, and and put that out to the world and see how that goes. But that is a far-fetched, you know, it's a it's a big dream to have. So after why a couple, is it far-fetched? Well, it's just you know like the whole like oh I want to be a, a rock star thing and uh, like it's easy to want but hard to achieve. I I would say. Okay. Um, so do you put out music on your social media? Uh, I just post like a couple of covers, um, but I haven't posted in a while. I would like to post more. Man, yeah. you gotta tell everybody where they can follow you <laughs> on social media, and then and so do that right now. What whatever accounts, whatever it's Instagram, whatever you have, and then you better get posting some of your your <laughs> own music. Okay, sure. Uh, my Instagram is Anthony J Pena. That's P E N A. Um. I also have Facebook. You can look up Anthony Pena. Um, but there's a lot of those. Um, I'm the guy with a, a black and red hoodie playing, holding a guitar. <laughs> um, I love it. Well, yeah. So so now hopefully you're going to get a few people following you and expecting to see some music from you. And yeah, uh, well, thank you for that, <laughs> dude. Of course, of course. I love that, man. I l listen. Like, we live in a very interesting unique time i think a lot of people focus on the negatives of which there are many but there are also many positives not least of which you know our our parents and grandparents didn't really live in a time in which 
they could they it was as as easy to start your own business and to make a, your own brand for yourself and so now just from your phone you could show yourself playing music and you could get a lot of people interested so i mean it's not far-fetched at all and if it's what you're passionate about i love that thank you yeah thank you so much i agree with that <laughs> So, so talk to me, man. What, what do you want to talk about today? What, what can I help with? This is a hundred percent your time. Uh, okay, sure. Uh, so yeah, like you saw in the email, there's a bunch of different things, but, <laughs> um, currently I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I started the unicorn strong challenge, uh, okay. back, back in, I would say like the beginning of October. Um, me, my roommate actually does it with me. I got him to tag along. Nice. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Um, but yeah, we are. We were supposed to be done, uh, I think, this week, but uh, last week we had Thanksgiving break, and there was another week where I, I took like a trip with my uncle. But anyways, uh, I have about two more weeks, and then and then we're done with the Unicorn Strong Challenge. Um, by the way, killer killer program, man! Like I, the <laughs> the progression that that it that it went through was just crazy for us. Like especially with the core workouts. Like um, uh, what was it? Uh, is the second the second month like that core where you, oh um body saws yeah oh those the, are brutal <laughs> those are crazy bro and those the, are at, and it's so unassuming like you wouldn't expect that those are so yeah. so difficult yeah exactly and then now we're doing the ABC planks and those are just even crazier yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah man. good I'm glad I'm glad that you're liking it and and congratulations on on making it through you know it's I made it 90 days because I very much believe that if, if someone can make it through 90 days of consistent programming, then mm. they'll be infinitely better off for the rest of their life. And the, the reality is most people never spend 90 days doing a program. So for you to make it through that, you are in the like the top 5% of people who ever make it through. So huge congrats. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, um, I appreciate it. It's yeah, it's it's been uh, I've I've gained a lot of strength, I would say, in my roommate as well. So thanks for putting that together. Absolutely. Um, but so, yeah. So like I said, we have about two weeks of that. And then I was kind of wondering if maybe you you had a recommendation from your other monthly workouts to, to go to next. Yeah. So so there are a bunch of different options, right? The mm -hmm. the main option is just to jump right into the monthly editions, right? So, so okay. today, today's what today is December 2nd. So, uh, mm. yesterday, December 1st, I published the December, 2021 edition of the inner circle. It's now live on, on your portal. It, oh, the, awesome. it, the workouts will be available on the app. Uh, so it's, it's all there, but every month we publish a brand new edition with new comprehensive workouts and all that. So mm. there's a four times a week option and a three times a week option. Um, one of the main reasons that I decided to make the the unicorn strong challenge, like that's where people start is because if you can get through that, then you have a, a, a very solid base of strength and of technique, and you will absolutely be able to get through the monthly editions. The monthly editions, I think, are a step up from the unicorn strong challenge. It's where like the unicorn strong, strong challenge is the introductory program where you get in, you get used to the programming, you get used to the exercises and the technique, and then you can jump into the monthly and you're going to notice there's a, a change of pace, uh, not drastic, but there's a change of pace. It's uh, it's a little bit more uh, advanced 
and but mm. it's it, every single program is specifically designed to to improve on the month before and to prepare you for what's coming in the coming months. So you could literally just jump right into the monthly editions. So if you wanted to jump into either this, the December edition or wait until January 2022, you could do that as well. Um, okay. The, mm-hmm. uh, the other option are. The other options are we have a bunch of manuals in the inner circle. So there's like the deadlift domination manual or the squat supremacy manual or the chin up mm. specialization manuals. So those mm. manuals are, are their comprehensive workouts. Again, with every workout that I write, it's, you always get a three times a week and a four times a week option, depending okay. on your preference. But those mm. manuals are obviously, they're more targeted towards a specific goal. So if you are like, Hey, I love deadlifting then mm-hmm. you could do the deadlift domination program which is a it's a deadlift specialization program it's 8 weeks long and you obvi- you improve your bench press you improve your 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 squats you improve your chin ups but it's specially focused on the deadlift and it's a, a it's a, a an in, an intensification block that is very very high high intensity and it's going it's specifically designed to improve your deadlift above all else so you wouldn't oh, do wow. that yeah. year round but you it's something you could focus on for 8 weeks and then you could go back to the monthly editions for a few months then you could go to squat supremacy for 8 weeks then go back to the monthly editions and then you could do the chin up specialization program and then go back to the monthly editions so that's just mm, like if okay. you'd like if you'd like to sprinkle in a, a different type of training now and again but the the general recommendation that most inner circle members do is they go unicorn strong challenge monthly editions and then if they'd like to change something up or have a specialization block they could go to one of those manuals okay awesome yeah yeah thank you thank you for that yeah of course okay cool um okay so and uh, the next thing i would i would like to touch on is um calories you know i think that's what let's what everyone, do it <laughs> yeah what everyone loves to talk about right um i okay so uh when i started the uh the Unicorn Strong Challenge. Um, I never did the uh, those. Uh, I forgot what they're called, but like the lower, the lower ones. Um, Good. Okay, you didn't do the lower calorie days. Yeah, yeah. I just stuck with like the the main ones. Um, Smart. Yeah. Uh, just just to just to be sure. But so for me, um, I I got about eighteen hundred a day. Um, so well, I won't ask if that's a good a good number actually. So I when I started, I was one seventy three. Okay. Um, and now I'm about 164, which isn't like a huge jump, but dude, that's huge. Are you kidding? Well, uh, yeah, nine pounds in about like 10 weeks. Yeah, that's true. When you put it that way, (laughs) 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 that's that's almost a pound a week on average. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. And you got stronger at the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty fucking huge to me. You got stronger and you lost body fat within 10 weeks. Like, amazing. Thank you. Okay, yeah, I feel better. Um, and and it's over uh, Thanksgiving, right? It, like, it wasn't mm-hmm. 100% consistent. Like, I'm sure, I'm assuming you enjoyed yourself over the holiday. Yeah. No, I definitely engorged myself that day. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, man. That's That could not be better. That literally is the ideal scenario. Like, I, I could not be more proud of you and impressed. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Um, um, well, I guess I just wanted to ask if that's still a good range. Um, cause I think it's, my goal is 150 and I think, I believe, yeah, 150 times 12 is 1800. And is that, is that still like a good range or should I drop it or what, what would you recommend? 
So this is a good question. Now, do you, do you want to continue losing body fat right now? Do you want to, do you want to shift more towards building muscle? Like where's your mindset at with that? Um, see that, that's the issue. I, uh, both, which is what everyone wants, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, everyone wants both. Absolutely. But I would say, I guess more so body fat. Um, I, I really like the way my body did look when I was 150. So I would like to get back down to there. Okay. So, so I think you could have said anything and, and my response would have been like, awesome. I love it. But I, I really think that this is a good move because, um, oftentimes people will, will want to increase their calories a little bit too early. And then what'll happen is they'll start increasing their calories before they've gotten to a body fat that they feel comfortable with. And then they'll end up, obviously, when they increase their calories, they're not losing fat anymore. And then sometimes they'll they'll feel more uncomfortable. And then what they'll do is rather than staying in that increased calorie range, they'll they'll go back and forth between high, low, high, low, high, low, and they'll spin their wheels and they're never, mm -hmm. they'll never make any progress. So right. mm -hmm. I like, Hey, you, you've been crushing it. It's been about 10 weeks. You've lost about nine pounds, especially during the holidays. So you don't have to get down. Like you, it's not like you're required to get to 150, but let's say you get to 154 or 156 and you're like, mm -hmm. you know what? I'm tired of being in a calorie deficit. I've lost a significant amount of body fat. I've gotten stronger. Now I want to build muscle. Cool. Then you can start building muscle when you're another like five, 10 pounds body fat lower than where you are now, which is going to make building muscle significantly easier. The, as your body fat drops, your body gets better at, at what's called nutrient partitioning. So it actually gets better at taking the nutrients you're feeding it and putting it towards muscle growth. So oh, as okay. you get leaner, you get, you actually get a, a, you could call it a metabolic advantage if you wanted to towards building muscle. <laughs> um, Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. So, so, and, and you also, the other benefit of that is you have a little bit more wiggle room, right? So if you right. get a little bit leaner, then you have a little bit more wiggle room during your, your bulking phase where you can add a little bit more body fat and it's not as big of a deal. Whereas if you start 10 pounds of body fat higher, you don't, you don't have as much wiggle room. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So, okay. so I would say just keep doing like what you're doing is working phenomenally well. There's no reason to change it. There's no reason to add extra cardio or to reduce your calories. What you're doing is working. You're clearly being consistent. So just this is where this is sort of what I call the middle ground uh, where you've been doing something for about 10 to 12 weeks and you're like, should I change it? Like you feel like you should change yeah. it, but you actually right. – keep it, keep it exactly the same. Like go okay. like change your workouts, go to the monthly editions or one of the manuals, but your nutrition, it stays the same. It's one of the ways I always know if, if a coach is doing something wrong or not, because sometimes coaches, they'll change nutrition information on a weekly or every two week or every three week basis. They're always changing the nutrition and mm -hmm. It doesn't, it, if you're always changing the nutrition, you're never giving it enough time to see if it actually works. You are clearly in the sweet spot right now. So just keep doing what you're doing. It's working. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, okay. Well, on that note on, on calories, um, I was wondering if you had any more tips on like, uh, fulfilling those calories while being full. Like I, I know like hitting that protein is important and it's been helping. Um, but I was wondering if you could give me just like, I don't know, any more tips maybe uh, on how to stay full while you're in a deficit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good question. Um, so there's a lot to discuss here, but protein is, is definitely obviously really important. Uh, before I talk about 
any food. I have to ask, how is your sleep? Um, it is uh, good and bad. It it comes in waves. <laughs> <laughs> it comes in waves. One week I'll I'll be hitting it very good. I'll get eight nine hours, and then the next week I'll get like four or five. <laughs> What I want you to do, I, I'm a data nerd. I love collecting data on myself. What mm -hmm. I want you to do is I want you to track your sleep. And and you don't need to get like an expensive tracker. I just want you to track uh, how much sleep you get on total number of hours. You don't need to track RAM or any of that. If you want to, you're welcome to if you have that capability with uh, a watch or something. But okay. I just want you to track like in the in, when you wake up in the morning, right, how many hours of sleep you got. And that's it. And what I want you to write next to that at the end of the day is your level of hunger on a scale of one to 10. Mm, okay. So one being uh, not hungry at all and 10 being you were starving during the day. And I want, because this could be interesting for you. It's one of the things that I think is very often overlooked in terms of hunger is people who who don't prioritize sleep which this is one of the, it really sucks for, for new parents, for example, people who have a, a young child at home. It's like, it's almost impossible to prioritize sleep because they need to take right. care of their child and like their hunger is often through the roof. And I've noticed that oftentimes people who, who have trouble or don't prioritize sleep, their hunger is significantly worse regardless of the changes they make with their food. So that's why I just want you to do that okay. for your own knowledge just to see. Um, and also, listen, I know you're in college, like you're not going to be getting eight <laughs> hours every night. I totally right. get that. Um, but if nothing else, what might happen is if you notice like, Hey, on the days I get four hours of sleep, I'm way hungrier. It might actually be enough of a motivator for you to be like, all right, well, I'm going to get to bed a little bit earlier. Maybe you'll get six or seven or something as opposed to four. Um, right. Okay. Okay. So sleep is very, very important. Obviously, you know, protein is important. Staying hydrated is unbelievably important. Another yes. very, very overlooked thing. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of other foods, there, there, I think one, one type of a food that is very often overlooked in terms of staying full, and I'm not like, obviously fruits and vegetables, we know that those are super, super helpful for staying full with lower calories. But right. one of the best things I found is like soups and stews. Um, oh, okay. now it obviously depends on the soup. Like if you're taking a a French onion soup with like a ton of cheese on top and like a big thing of bread. Obviously that's not going to be lower calorie, but right. there are a bunch of soups and stews that are low, relatively lower calorie. You can put some, some high quality protein in them and those fill you up. One of my favorites, have you ever heard of pho? P H O? Uh, yes, I have. I have heard of it. Yeah. So people, it's a, it's a Vietnamese dish, I believe. And, um, I was introduced mm -hmm. to it in college. I, I had chemistry class with, a and to a couple of my friends there were, they were from Vietnam and they would invite oh, cool. me over to their house and, and they would cook for me. And it was, I was, it was amazing and I loved it. And it's, pretty oh, yeah, I bet. it's like uh -huh. very fresh, great protein. There's some, so usually some noodles in there as well. Uh, a mm -hmm. lot of vegetables. And I, it's one of my favorite dishes that my wife and I get once or twice a week. So, uh, something like that is very good for helping keep you full. It also has a lot of, it's very nutrient dense. There's a lot of great things in, in that specific dish. Um, there's also one of my favorite of all time is something called shakshuka. It's a Middle Eastern dish. We have mm. recipes for shakshuka in the inner circle. Like I have yeah, my- Yeah, I think I saw, yeah, you have one, right? Bro, that that is, if I ever am doing a, a weight loss phase or a cutting phase, that is always, like I have that every day. Sometimes it's my breakfast, sometimes it's my dinner, sometimes it's both, but that it's basically like pizza without the crust. 
Okay, wow, that sounds great. It, and it's you could put whatever you want in it. I usually put eggs on top of it as well just to get a little bit of extra protein and some high-quality fat as well. Um, okay. It's amazing, and it fills you up for for very few calories. Um, so so big fan of shakshuka, big fan of uh, big fan of soups and stews in general. Um, sometimes I'll have like I have just a bunch of miso soup in my apartment, and I'll like if I if I'm if I'm in a weight loss phase and I need to curb some hunger, I'll I'll make a a bowl of miso soup and I'll usually just put it in a coffee cup and just drink it like I'm drinking coffee. Um, okay. But like that can also help a lot. Um, and obviously, I mean, I know, you know, watermelon for me is like my number one weight loss, like hunger yes. curbing thing. It's like, it's delicious. It's basically like nature's candy and you could have an entire pound for 140 calories. I, yeah, you've seen all over, whenever I go on a cutting phase, I'm eating watermelon constantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, I actually have two giant, giant, giant plastic bins of it in my fridge right now. Oh, it's so that's good. perfect. So <laughs> yeah, for me. It. A lot of times it's watermelon and Greek yogurt or watermelon and cottage cheese. You get the filling from the fruits and you also get high quality protein, relatively low calorie, very, very filling. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, that's one thing too, uh, that you, that you got me on. I started following you about a year, maybe a year and a half ago and, uh, Greek yogurt, uh, has been a game changer for me. Just, I love it and it, it keeps you full. It's Good perfect. man, yeah. Greek yogurt is like I, I, I've, a lot of people use the term superfood for any number of reasons. Like it's not actually like a superfood, but I call it a superfood because it's super high protein, low calorie. It tastes great, and you can. One of the things, oh man, my wife and I do this all the time. I remember when I was younger, my my mom made these uh, like vegetable dips. And, and she would do it, not with Greek yogurt, she would do it, I forget what type, I don't know if it was sour cream or something, she would take this vegetable dip mix and mix it with something, I think it was sour cream and it was really high calorie and high fat, but mm. we started taking this vegetable mix, the, the name of it, you can get it at a grocery store or online, it, it's called K-N-O-R-R, I believe it's pronounced nor, nor okay. vegetable mix, and I'll pour that into my Greek yogurt and I'll mix it up, and it's so, it's like, you know, if you have like carrots and like that, like ranch sauce that you like, you can, you can like, uh, dip in carrots into a ranch dressing or sauce and just tastes amazing. But like, yes, that's obviously super high calorie. Well, right. this is, tastes exactly like that. And it's just, it, it's Greek yogurt with this vegetable, uh, mix inside of it that makes it taste unbelievable. So sometimes we'll do that. Oh. Sometimes if we're having people over for a fight or something, we're going to watch the UFC fights. We'll make that dip. We won't tell them anything. We're not going to say, Oh yeah, it's Greek yogurt. And this, we just put it out there with a bunch <laughs> of chips and everything. And people right. are like, Oh my God, this is absolutely, it's delicious. And it's, it, it's so good. And it's actually pretty inexpensive as well. So if you want to try that strongly recommend it. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I, I wrote that down. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's, let's see. I, I have a, a list of notes. Let me, let me look at that. Um, oh, so this is, I guess, just a, a general question about, about calories. Um, is there like a, uh, a set amount of weight to like aim at when you want to, to, uh, set your calorie goal? Does that make sense? Like it say, I'm like, 200 pounds and I want to be 160 would I like drop straight from there or would like you increment it by 20 pounds or is there no like set range for that 
Got it. So, so the question I just want to clarify is like, let's say you're 200 pounds and you want to get to 160. Should you go straight for 160 by 12 or should you maybe do like 180 by 12 and then go down to 170 by 12 and then 160 by 12 until you get right. to the, the number? So yeah. yes. Um, so we, I'm going to answer your question. I also want you to know, Susan and I made a huge video course answering that specific question in the inner circle, uh, video course database. So okay. it like a bunch is in there, but to answer your question, there's no right or wrong. It really just depends on you. Um, for example, for me, I'm about, I weigh about 150 pounds. So, so if I was going to cut to 140, I would just go straight to 140. Um, okay. I'm already relatively lean. It's only about 10 pounds. It's not that much. It wouldn't make sense for me to do it incrementally. Mm. Um, if someone has a lot of weight to lose, like in, in 200 to one, 160 isn't that much, but let's just say, I'll use the example that you used. You could absolutely do instead of jumping straight to 160, you could just start at 180 and then go, uh, or mm. you could just jump straight to 160. The, the difference here is if you, if you jump straight to 160, which is totally fine, um, you're going to see a faster rate of progress, especially at the beginning, which some people might call that a, a positive. That's a pro. You're going to get maybe a little bit more motivated. You're going to see a faster rate of progress. The con of that, though, would be you're going to be eating fewer calories, right? So it's, okay. mm -hmm. it, it, I wouldn't say it's necessarily less sustainable definitively, but I would say it will be more difficult because it's a steeper deficit for a longer period of time. Whereas right. if, if you do 180, the, the pro would be that you can eat more. The potential con would be that your weight rate of weight loss is going to be slower. And so this is where you really have to sort of know yourself and say, okay, am I the kind of person that would like to see a slower rate of weight loss and have it be a little bit more comfortable? Or am I the kind of person that would like it to be a little bit faster and I'm okay with it being a little bit more difficult? Now, okay. if I'm being fully honest, I think the person who can say I would rather be a little bit slower and more comfortable, that individual almost always has a better relationship with food and a better outlook on health and fitness. Um, so I, I tend to try and lead people to choose that option, but there, to be fair, there's a fair amount of research and a, a significant amount of research and with myself and many of my clients who they just go straight for the lower option and they do tremendously well. One of whom most recently being my brother, who's lost over 130 pounds, just I like, see that, yeah, I'm following him now, <laughs> bro. He, he's blown me away. He's absolutely yeah. blown me away. He went straight for the lower number. Like he, he went straight for the lower one and, uh, he's, he's maintaining it. He's doing super well. This is the healthiest he's been his entire life. So like mm -hmm. clearly there, it works both ways. You just have to figure out what might be best for you. Okay. okay. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, what would, what is your approach to designing effective workouts? You know, cause I've noticed well, I, I would assume, I don't say that I noticed, but I would assume that from, from you just doing the unicorn strong challenge, it feels like you do a mix of like, uh, powerlifting maybe and strength training, but also, um, especially in month three, there's a lot more, like, I don't know what, what the term is, but mobility involved with, with yes. the exercises. Yeah. Yeah. You're exact, dude, you are spot on. You are spot on. So my, my approach to lifting is very largely influenced by powerlifting. That's my my 
previous career. That's why I was a competitive right. powerlifter for years. Um, mm-hmm. And I've just noticed such huge benefits, not only physical strength, which is, is huge, but the mental and emotional strength that people get from powerlifting and realizing how strong they can get is really unbelievable from what I've seen and the confidence that I've seen it build in people and myself just lifting heavier weights and getting stronger. The the empowerment that you feel in the gym carries over to everyday life. I mean, I, I'll never forget. I had a client once who a uh, timid client, really, really sweet guy, timid. Uh, after mm-hmm. he hit a, a squat personal record, he went in and asked for a raise and he got it. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And it was just like, who knows if he would have done it otherwise, like, but for me, it was like, he was on such a high from hitting a personal record. He went in and asked for a raise and he got it. And I was like, I fucking love that. Like that makes yeah. me so happy. Um, so, and it's not to say other forms of strength training don't have that, but right. I think with powerlifting, with the barbell, it really, it's so obvious. Whereas, and I love kettlebell training. I do include kettlebell training. I really enjoy it's, it, especially for athletic performance. But with the kettlebell, it's a little bit harder to get that, right? Because the weight jumps are a little bit, they're a little bit bigger and it's harder with the kettlebell implement. Whereas with the barbell, you could put two and a halfs on, you could put fives on each side and you can continue to get stronger in those movements. Whereas with the kettlebell, it's it's not as simple to add more weight to the kettlebell. Hmm. Um, Right. So the majority, it's largely influenced by powerlifting and, and heavy, heavy strength training, like like very, very heavily focused on that. Um, but mm. also, I would say equally focused on health and athletic performance. I think are are the it's it's actually funny when I when I made the inner circle. If you look at the the top of the monthly editions, every every monthly edition, when you look, it's it's the title is. Um, where, where strength and performance meet physique enhancement, I believe is what it says. And that's sort of where my, like, I've, I've never been a bodybuilding figure competitive figure competitor person. That's never been my goal or the clients that I've chosen to work with. My goal has been, how do I get you healthier? How do I, how do I get you happier, more confident, stronger, more flexible and mobile, pain-free, and also make you look better. Um, and, and, and so that's really where my, my goal is driven from. And I've also, I, I've seen so many people who they look great, you know, low body fat, tons of muscle, but they're in pain and mm. they might look great to someone who's watching, but they don't feel great. Like they're, they're not happy. Like they're in pain. They're moving clunky. Like they can't jump without like hurting their back or a knee. And it's like, if you, f- if you feel great, you're going to be much happier than if you look great, but aren't, aren't feeling great. Right. So I want to make you feel good. I want to make you confident. I want to make you strong and, and perform well and mobile and flexible. And when you can do that, you open the door to physique enhancement and improvement without as much risk. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I would say, at least with me, you have succeeded. Um, it, I feel, I feel incredibly just, just way more athletic. Like you said, um, I was very, uh, I don't know what the word is. I, w- I would kind of cramp up a lot, especially like in mm. my inner thigh, like with squats. Mm. Um, so when, yeah, when I very first started, even even despite like lots of stretching and, and stuff like that. Um, but after after uh, just a couple of weeks of doing your program, I have felt way more athletic and flexible. So yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> that makes me super happy. And for whatever it's worth, man, that's 
I w- I'll gladly take credit, but it's really, it's you who's done it, right? I mean, it's, you're the one who's put in the work. You're the one who's put in the time. You're the one who's done the, you've done the body saws. You're doing the ABC planks. You're doing the different <laughs> mobility. Like you're the one pushing through that. And, uh, I, I just from this very brief amount of time speaking with you, I'm, I'm very impressed with you, man. I hope if you ever make it to Dallas, you'll let me know and we can go grab a, grab a coffee or a beer or something, get a lift in. I'd love to, I'd love to meet you in person. That'd be great. Yeah, I actually, I don't know if you know, but like I said, I'm from Denton and that's like 30 minutes from Dallas. Well, um, when, when you so. get here, you let me know and beer's <laughs> on me. All right. Sounds great, man. Thank <laughs> you. Um, okay, cool. Um, okay, so um, I guess I kind of want to get more into the the psychological aspect of, okay. of fitness. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Like how how would you and I mean I think I kind of already know but I just would like clarification. How would you uh, recommend maintaining, uh, like you often say, a positive relationship with food, and uh, even maybe even with exercise for people who are struggling with that. So do me a favor and could you expand a little? Just give me like either something that you've struggled with or are struggling with or someone you know, just so I have a little bit more context. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So no, no, no um, reason to apologize. No, like you, I just, a little more context will help me give a better answer. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe this will help. Like the second part of the question is, uh, that I wrote down is like, where, where is it most common that people can kind of view their relationship negatively with food? Like I know like binge eating and, um, uh, maybe like having too low of a deficit are ones, but like, I don't know. How would you like, where do you think that stems from? If that makes sense? It's a great question. It was funny. I I was doing another podcast a couple hours ago and someone asked me a very similar question. It was on, so it was another guy's podcast and, uh, Mm -hmm. he was asking me, he's like, where does this come from? Like, why, why do so many people have poor relationships with food and with exercise? Uh, why do so many people look at exercise as a punishment? Uh, why do so many people look at food as, uh, as like their enemy and something that's like always on their mind? Like what's going on? And right, it, yeah. mm-hmm. it's funny. It's so funny how the world works because he was the first person to ever ask me that ever where it stems from. And now the second person to ever asked me that you is just a couple hours later. And this is <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. So it's the first time that people have asked me this question in the same day. Oh, um, wow. OK, so so I, I, I thought about it when I was on the call with him and I'm going to sort of reiterate a few of my thoughts. I think there, there's a lot that goes on here. Number one, I think, is there is this very pervasive idea that there is such a thing as a good food and a bad food, right? There, And right. this it's very easy for people to categorize food as good or bad and not see the, the gray or the middle area because it's just easier to say it's good or bad, right or wrong, healthy or unhealthy, fattening, fattening or, or fat burning or whatever. It's much easier to do that than to understand the nuance. Um, and right. we see this in all aspects of life. We see this in politics. We see this in business. Uh, people who are just dogmatically, this is right, this is wrong, without seeing the nuance are usually far less educated than the people who can see the nuance and who understands it's not just black and white. Um, right, so yes. on a, on a large scale basis, we, I don't think most people are very educated on nutrition and it's, they, so they just say, Oh, well, this is good. This is bad. And that's mm-hmm. it. Um, okay. the, and, and I think this can become an issue at a very young age 
when maybe you live in a house where your parent or parents are telling you, you know, oh, that food's good, that food's bad, don't eat that, don't you can eat that, but not that type of a thing. I yeah. think from a very early age, you are often being, and by you I mean like the proverbial you, like everybody, you're being put into uh, this idea of like, okay, well, this food is not a good food. I cannot have that. Well, if you're taught that from the time you're a kid, it's it's going to get really bad, not to mention all of the, the social and social pressures that you're going to at school and you're seeing on, it's way worse now than when I was a kid with social media and all that. Like before right. it was like TVs and magazines. Now it's just social media in your face every day, people Photoshopping right. their pictures. Like, uh, I think that is a very di- like you're you're told this is good, this is bad, and then you go to school and everyone's like, well, you want to look like this, you want to look this way, you're supposed to have this body fat, da 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 da. It's like it's all compounding in your environment. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing, and I brought this up earlier, I really think that the vast majority of people, I'll put it like this, I don't know anybody, not a single person in the world, who doesn't have some insecurity with how their body looks. Like not a single person in the world is insecurity free. Everybody has some insecure, everybody. Uh, Mm. And I remember like when I was younger, I would thought like my parents and I thought all adults were just, they were all mature and they were all smart because they're adults. Like the adults are the good people. The adults are smart. It's like, oh no, now I get older and I'm like, okay, well adults are fucking idiots too. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and adults have insecurities just like kids do. Um, It's so funny. I was talking about this with a, a friend of mine the other day, uh, a, a female client. She was talking about how she's been getting like ganged up on on social media recently because she put something out that was saying basically like a whole group of people attacked her because she was talking about calories and they got really mad at her about it. And right, uh, right. and and we were talking about how, you know, a common phrase, especially among women, is that middle school girls are the worst. Right. And they say that because like they can be so mean and so divisive and all of that. But I was talking with my client and she was like, it's not just middle school girls. It's just it's just women like we can we're the fucking worst. And it was funny <laughs> because I, I was think I think it's just humans. Right. If you took a, a group of adults and you put all of these adults in a situation like back in school, like you put us all into a school, right. you put us all into a, a middle school cafeteria and we were all forced to be there day in and day out, we would probably act the exact same way that we did when we were in middle school, gossiping about each other and being mean and exclusionary. And there'd be like the group of popular people. Like, I think it would literally be exactly the same, just like just older people. Um, and, and I bring this up because adults have, have insecurities too. And I think we often project our insecurities onto those around us. And that includes our children. Yes, and so yes. oh what will happen is like maybe your mom or your dad or whoever, they'll have an insecurity and they'll project that and that will come through in how they frame food. It'll come through in how they frame exercise. It'll come through in what they think you should be doing or what you should look like or how you should present yourself. And I don't think I don't think most of it is malicious for the vast majority of people, but I do think it's an unconscious an unconscious action that's that's portrayed or or uh, it's it's uh, manifested as a result of their own insecurities. Wow. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah. And you took one sentence straight from my mouth. As you were saying that, I was I was writing down stuff that popped into my head. And one of them was uh, that, that exact thing. Um, I wrote down that parents 
can project their insecurities onto their children. So that's yes. funny. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, they absolutely. Yeah. Um, and another thing that popped up is uh, when you were talking about like the, you know, we're in the age of social media, obviously. And um, I just think it's, it's, I'm not a nutrition expert, obviously, but I think it's just, it's so easy to get overwhelmed by how many, just how much information there is on every single aspect of fitness. Like there's um, all these different diets like keto and, and paleo and uh, it's, it's, I think it's easy to get overwhelmed and then just not know what to do. So you end up doing nothing, you know, right. I, I couldn't have said that any better. I couldn't agree with you anymore. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think that's, I think that that might be it. Um, yeah. I mean, it, listen, it's funny. I'll post one thing about saying, uh, fruit doesn't make you fat and then people will screenshot it. And then the next post underneath it is a post saying why fructose is going to make you fat. And people have shown me, they'll screen record it. We'll be like, look, your post is saying this. And literally the person beneath you on my Instagram feed is saying <laughs> the exact opposite. It's like, it's, it's unbelievable how much information is, is available out there. And the great part is there's a, a ton of great, amazing free information. And the mm -hmm. difficult part is there's a ton of terrible, misleading information that isn't science-based. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's I wish there was a, an easy answer, but I think the best thing that you can do is is try to use as much common sense as possible. Mm -hmm. I, I really I think that's the best thing. And it's not the fix all. It's not the end all be all. But I really think using as much common sense as possible. I mean, there's a huge trend called. Have you heard of bulletproof coffee? Uh, I haven't actually. It's, it's died down in the last few years when I was coming up in the industry and it's, it's still a big thing. If you Google it, you'll laugh. It's a, okay. it's a multi-million dollar brand, uh, where it's based around many things, not least of which you put butter in your coffee. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and it's, it's literally, it's, it's talking, it's basically another keto fad where it's like, all right, well, your carbs are bad, but all fat is good and you should put butter in your coffee. Not kidding. Mm. They literally take tablespoons wow. of butter in the morning. They say you shouldn't eat in the morning. You should just put butter in your coffee. And oh I wrote an goodness. article on this in like 2015, 2014, 2015 or something. And mm. uh, it's just the amount of the millions and millions of people have followed this. And I've made content around it and people get mad. It's like, oh, my God, it's so good for you. You have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, let's just break this down. Just use <laughs> common sense. You're telling me that the optimal way to lose fat is to take hundreds of calories worth of fucking butter and put it in your coffee every morning, like something that's not going to fill you up. It's not providing you with any legitimate nutritional value. It's right, just right. filling you up with saturated fat in your coffee. It's like, how in the hell is that a smart idea? Like just right. basic common sense. And that's what I try and do with, with, with the fruit is like, Oh, don't eat fruit. Fruit's going to make you fat because of all the sugar. I'm like, how many motherfuckers do you know who got <laughs> fat from eating blueberries? Like how right. many, come on, just common sense. And, um, that's what I really try and, and, and want to put out there. I'm not interested in like, all right, we're going to talk about the Krebs cycle today and talk about the physiological adaptations that no, I, I just want to help as many people as I can with basic information not only that but to teach people how to be a critical thinker like let's just look mm -hmm. at this from a common sense perspective and one thing i've realized as i've gotten older is that common sense is not very common right yeah i agree with that i never knew that about 
the the coffee the butter and the coffee thing that's oh, wild if you i i haven't looked at the hashtag in years but i bet if you look at the hashtag on instagram bulletproof coffee you'll find a lot of disgusting looking coffees with butter in it um <laughs> i bet if you google if you google search bulletproof coffee you'll find you'll find all of the most nonsensical things you could ever imagine wow okay yeah you know what i'm gonna do that just to entertain myself later <laughs> there's there's a one of the strategies that I've tried to help people use to help decipher if something is smart or not is if if you're not sure if something makes sense or not, literally just explain it to yourself out loud, right? So, mm. for example, I'm not a big fan of squatting on a BOSU ball. Uh, take mm-hmm. all of the research aside, right? All of the research aside, all like the 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 research showing um, unstable surface training, how not only how dangerous it can be, but how ineffective it is and how it's much better to train on a stable surface. We'll take all of that out. Let's just assume you know none of that. Okay. If you see someone on social media holding weights in their hand on a bouncy <laughs> surface and squatting up and down just out loud and they're saying, oh, this is better for balance, and this is a good exercise to do. Just, okay, so this guy is telling me to pick up heavy weights and stand on a bouncy rubber surface that is very <laughs> unstable and right. do an exercise that is difficult enough on the fucking ground, but right. he wants me to do it with weights in my hand on a bouncy ball. How in the hell, like, it just, you're, okay, that's stupid. Like, just clearly yeah. that's not a good idea. So it, when you, sometimes when you just talk, when you speak it out loud, common sense will come into play. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a great rule. Yeah. I think a lot of people just take things at face value. Um, it's, it's just so strange. Like they'll hear something and they're like, okay, so that that's the truth versus like thinking it through, or like you said, saying it out loud and then just realizing that it, it's not that <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly move. right. It's, it's <laughs> one of the issues that I've found with, with, um, how people take advice from doctors without any question whatsoever. I mean, doc, there are many right. amazing doctors. There are also a lot of, of bad doctors. There right. are like, in, like there's, there are good lawyers and bad lawyers. There are good coaches and there are bad coaches. There are great nutritionists. There are terrible nutritionists. There are good doctors and there are bad doctors. And, uh, there are good scientists and there are bad scientists. It's, it's funny. Like people like will always cite research papers but they often don't like you have to look at certain things like who was the research paper funded by because you know scientists they're humans they can lie as well you know like that's possible it's happened a lot um right. but sometimes a doctor will will tell oh you know what this you you should do this it's like but just because they're a doctor doesn't mean they know what they're talking about in terms of let's say like weight loss or in terms of nutrition or in terms of exercise they they went to school for 7 years to be a doctor yeah but how many courses did they actually take on exercise or on proper nutrition or right. on human behavioral psychology how many they they don't have enough time to spend to spend on all of those things. That's why we have specialists. It's why we have exercise specialists. It's why we have uh, physical therapists. It's why we have nutritionist specialists. It's why we have uh, behavioral therapists. It's why we have different specialties. So a lot right. of times, like my mom is of the generation, like especially the baby boomer gener- generation, where it's like, whatever the doctor says goes. My mom does this all the time and it just infuriates me. Where it's like, yep, whatever the doctor says is right. I'm like, that's, that's, you can't just take it at face value. Like, right. yes, like I'm sh- much of what doctors say is correct, but also just because they're a doctor does not mean that it's always correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I think, uh, another thing is, um, uh, like if it's a, if it's a, I guess you could say a heavily overweight doctor, 
and they're giving you nutrition advice, I mean, that just doesn't, that just doesn't make sense to me. You know, like, like if you, if you knew all these things correctly about nutrition, then I would assume that you would be healthy yourself, you know? So this is an interesting topic. I'm glad you brought it up. It's, it's an, it's a difficult topic for many reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, on one hand, I very much agree with you, right? There's a, a, a big part of me that very much agrees with you. And younger me mm-hmm. would have 100% agreed with you. Um, right. The reason that I don't 100% agree and why I understand there's a little bit more nuance to it now is because just because someone knows how to do something doesn't necessarily mean that they're in a time or a place in their life in which they are are able to or willing to put it into practice, right? Um, right, yeah. You mm-hmm. never necessarily know what's going on in someone's life. Maybe someone has recently gained 50 pounds because, uh, who knows, maybe their their parent died in a, in a or their child died in a random car accident and it's just completely, it's completely blown them away. They're like devastated beyond belief and they've been using food as a coping mechanism, even though they know what Mm -hmm. to do, but they're, they've, they're in such a a bad place in their life that that's, that's happened. Um, maybe they're on a a medication that they were, that their doctor put them on for, for antidepressants or something. And, and that has led to a massive increase in hunger, which has made it difficult to control calories. And so maybe they know what they're talking about and they can help someone else, but they're not uh, able to do it. Um, mm-hmm. at, at least not at that point in their life. I also look at someone like you could, you could look at another example, like, uh, Bill Belichick, amazing coach, football coach. I mm-hmm. don't know if he ever played football, but if he did, he was never like, to my knowledge, he was never like an amazing football player, but he's a great coach. Right. Right. Whereas yeah. He wasn't necessarily, he wasn't, he wasn't Tom Brady. He wasn't like a, an all-star football player, but he's led all-star teams and he's led amazing. He's done amazing jobs as a coach. So I, that being said, this is what you touched on is a huge debate in the fitness industry in -hmm. which like some people are like, if you're, if you're a coach, like you, you better look like a coach. I'm like, well, I agree. You should practice what you preach. Yes. But there has to be an understanding of the other side as well. Um, Mm -hmm. and if you, if realistically, if you, if you want to be a coach, then it's going to be only better for you and your brand and your clients to practice what you preach. But, um, it, it is something that like, you, you, there's no good food, bad food. There's no, it's like, it's, I try not to be too dogmatic one way or another. So I do mm-hmm. try to see the nuance and understand why someone might be struggling with their weight, even if they know what to do. Right. That is a great point. Uh, thank you for, for putting that perspective. Yeah, in, of course, in, man. I, yeah. listen, I, my, if I, when I was your age, I would have said the exact same thing that you said. And I think I probably have articles somewhere saying literally exactly what you said, like published (laughs) online. So, I mean, now I just need to wait for someone on Twitter to find them and then try and cancel me. But like, you know, that's, that's what happens as you get older, hopefully your opinions change and you see more nuance because if you're not changing your ideas and opinions, then you're not getting better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good perspective. Um, Okay. Um, I guess I don't. I don't know how much how much time you have. My man, but... this is your time. I will stay on with you for a week straight if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great. No. Um, uh, I would like to talk about um goals and habits. Um, just kind of in general, if that's okay. Like. Yeah, of course. Not necessarily for fitness, but um, okay. uh, if yeah, if you don't mind, if I could like get a little more personal. 
about Dude, like my absolutely. goals? Absolutely. I would love that. Please tell me what are your goals? Cool. Okay. Yeah. So uh, apologies in advance because I, I did listen to, I know you had a podcast, uh, man, uh, maybe like half a year ago on on goals. Um, yeah, and that I was listened to in, it. It was the first podcast of this past year. It was in January. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For the new year, I, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I did listen to it. Um, but I didn't listen to it. You know what I mean? Like I listened to it <laughs> in the car and then I didn't take action. Um, so yeah, but so sorry if you have to like reiterate some of the things. It's, but. it's funny. I was looking at my, my podcast analytics today. I get like a wrap up at the end of the year and that was mm. my most listened to episode this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I, I, I think, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so talk about your goals, what, what do you want to achieve? Yeah. So yeah, like I said, I'm I'm a, I'm a musician, um, and I, I'm down to my last year. Like I have two semesters left of of college, um, and then I'm out to the quote unquote real world. <laughs> oh yeah, let's um, go, man. This is where the yeah. fun begins. Right. Yeah, and I'm excited, but I'm also a little, I guess, nervous. Um, so like I said, I I want to write my own music, um, but it's it's like one thing to say that and another thing to like actively work towards it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I know that you're not a musician, so I understand if you don't have like the answer, but what would you, well, I guess, what would you recommend? Like how, how could I be more uh, proactive towards, towards reaching that goal? Yeah. Dude, this is a great question and this could go for everything. What, right. here's the thing. So <sighs> you're not asking me how to be a musician, right? Like I don't, I don't need to be a musician to, to answer this question. What you're asking me is how do you, how do you build your own brand is really it. Right. Which yeah. frankly, I think I'm pretty good at. Um, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> um, so, and also just for whatever it's worth, I come from a family of, of musicians, like everybody on oh, my cool. mom's side of the family, everybody played, yeah. played instruments professionally in, uh, uh, my grandfather, no, my, my uncle, he played it at the, in the white house orchestra, um, and traveled the world with that. And I, my, my grandfather was a a music teacher, uh, Mm -hmm. at, at Northeastern university, like, yeah, big music, musical family. And I played, my mom required me to try an instrument when I was a kid. And Uh so when I was, when I was in third grade, I picked the trombone because, the, the, you know, they said they were like, all right, you can play, you, you can choose the trumpet, you can choose the saxophone, you can choose the trombone. And they gave us a sample of each. And the guy who came in to show all the instruments, I'll never forget this. He just did the thing where he went like, Err. and I was uh-huh. like, I want that one. That one sounds yeah, cool. That's and, cool to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I was such a small kid. I'm still a small guy. But when I was in third grade, I was way smaller. I couldn't even hit all the notes because my arm couldn't extend all the way. Uh, oh really? Yeah. Yeah, my arm couldn't reach the end, the the final notes in the in the trombone. But I I I quit that very soon. And I just stuck with sports and and athletics. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, that's cool. You know, let me. Do you? I'm trying to figure out where to begin. But do you know? Here, here's what I'm gonna say. In terms of your goals. In terms of, of being a musician and, and writing your own music, do you write your own music now? Just you don't share it with people. Um. So okay, here here's the thing. I have 
about three songs that I have written. Okay. But they were all, uh, well, two of them were in high school, and they're very angsty uh, breakup <laughs> songs. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And one was in college, and that was another angsty breakup song. Okay. Um, but now, uh, my favorite genre, my favorite style is metal, actually. Um, oh, I love it. So, yeah, so I love rock and metal, um, and that's what I'm trying to, to put out. And currently, at the moment, I'm actively working on one song. Uh, the goal is to have my album written by, uh, by the time I graduate. Um, so maybe like 10, 10 complete songs would be awesome. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's my answer. Like not, I have songs written, but not for what I want to put out. Does that make sense? Yes. How, how long does it take you to write a song right now? Um, it's hard to say. I've been working on this one um, for about two weeks because I keep adding parts and taking stuff out, you know? <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so here's what I'm going to say. Um, and you're probably going to think I'm crazy, but, uh -huh. but I, I could not believe this more, and I actually think it could change your life. Um, okay. Let's do I it. think so. First and foremost, I'm glad that we the conversation went in this order because I literally just told you how there are articles from when I was your age that I have up still and I'll never take them down that I probably have many things I disagree with, right? Okay. Hmm. Where you you've written songs before that you're like I don't really like those songs anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So I see where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Too many people, and I see this in the fitness. Someone asked me this the other day. They were like, "How are you so comfortable on camera?" I did 50 takes on a video, and I still haven't finished the final one yet. And it's like mm -hmm. I, I've done thousands of videos, and I've written hundreds and hundreds of art, a thousand, probably over a thousand articles. I've done over 3,000 Instagram posts. I've done uh, hundreds and hundreds of podcasts. Like it's just, it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. And when I, so when I first started writing articles, and this is what I'm going to want you to do. When I first started writing articles, I gave myself the time limit because my goal when I first started my website in July of 2011, when I was 21 years old, was uh, I'm going to write one article a week every week, and I had to publish every Monday by 10 a.m. That was my requirement. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. I didn't care if the article was shit. I didn't care. Like, uh, I didn't care. I was like, I've just got to publish it and that's it. And it was one of the cool parts was like, I didn't have that big of an audience. Like really the only person looking at my website was my mom. So like, whatever right. she was, yeah. she was like, I love you anyway. So awesome. But like, <laughs> right. I want you to write one new song a week, every week. Wow. Okay. One new song. It, and remember you're the artist and that's, what's so cool about art. Like it, it's not like it has to follow the quote unquote rules that maybe you've learned in school. It's like, it's your song. If you want it to be a 20 second song, it's a 20 second song. If you want it to be uh, pure vocals, then like make it pure vocals. If you want to make it pure instrumental, make it pure instrumental. If you want to make it both, make it both. If you want to make it a song making fun of your previous songs, make it a song <laughs> talking about how how ridiculous that you think your angsty breakup songs are. If you want right. to make it a song, like there, there's no, and this is where like a, this is where just content creation is a skill is I just came up with a bunch of random ideas, even though I know shit all about music because it's just content creation. That's all it is. Right. And so yeah. You just, it, the bet, the more you do it, the better I was going to say, uh, my original thought was make one new song a day every day, but I think that would be a little bit too much. I think right, yeah, probably. you get one week 
for a song. Okay. One week. And you have to put it on your social media, whether it's Instagram or YouTube or whatever, every week you have to put one new song up and then you're, you're going to get better and better and better at it. And eventually maybe you'll do two a week or three a week. And for the first year, two years you do this, you're going to have a couple hundred songs and probably not that many people following you. Right. But if you keep doing it, I guarantee you, if you're good at music, people will follow you and people will start to to like you and buy your music and buy your brand and you're going to get gigs and you're going to be able to sell things and you're going to be able to sell music and you're going to be able to, who knows, maybe you're going to be playing, uh, playing, selling music to a movie to use your music there. Or maybe uh, I know a lot of YouTubers will, will pay uh, musicians on Instagram or something to pay for their music so they can put it on their YouTube videos. Like there's, there's no, the options are limitless. You are literally right. limited by your imagination here. But the, the one thing you must do is create new music and share it with people. And that starts with one new song every week. And you can literally make a song about, it's funny, Gary Vaynerchuk gave me, uh, he gave me a similar challenge when I first started posting on Instagram. He's like, you have to post three times a day, every day. Now, Thank God I'm not telling you to do that, right? Like yeah, <laughs> right, I was yeah. required to post three times a day every day. And but to be fair, my audience went from five thousand to two hundred thousand in a matter of like eight months when I did that. So wow. like yeah. there's something to that, right? So maybe I should be telling you to do that, but um <laughs> I didn't start with that. Like I, I got that advice about six years after I had already started making content. So I'd been making content for six years. And it is a skill. And I really want you to spend time just making songs and enjoying it. I want you to have fun. I want you like, I want you to do it for you. I don't want you to do it for likes. I don't want you to do it for follows. I just want you to make music that you, maybe you think it's funny or maybe you think it, you're passionate about it and you're, maybe you're angry about something. Like whatever it is, make music that you want to make music about and make it for you because you love that music. But you've got to follow the one a week rule and you've got to say every week at this time I'm publishing this new song. Maybe it's a four minute song. Maybe it's a 17 second song. Um, it's funny. There's, I forget the guy's name, but there's a really famous guy on YouTube. One of the reasons he's famous is because every single video is four minutes and seven seconds. Oh, every really? One. Every okay. one is four minutes and seven seconds long. It's like, they're not very long, but they're great videos and they're all form. And he just made that up. It's like, he just like, I don't know. I'm going to make them four minutes and seven seconds and that's it. <laughs> right. It's like, you can make your song, whatever length you want. It could be whatever it's your art. That's one of the things I love most about art is it's yours. You're the creator. You get to decide. And and that's one of the really, really cool things about the world we live in is you don't need a publisher or a publicist or anything to to get that work out there. You have you have a phone. You can just videotape yourself, put it on Instagram, and now the world is there, it's there to see it. And you just have to be consistent with that one a week every week. Okay. Wow. Yeah, thank you. That was a that little fire under my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. And I'm going to be look. I'm going to hold. On. I'm going to follow you right now on Instagram. Oh, my sec. goodness. OK. <laughs> All right. Sure. What you have to say? What's your Instagram again? Uh, Anthony. Yep. J. Yep. P E N A. Anthony J. Perfect. All right, bro. I'm following you right now. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> right now. Thank you. All right. Let's see. I'm looking at your posts. All right, bro. I better I better see some music from you one a week. I'm keeping an eye out. One a week. Okay. Yeah. You got it. So that you've got 14 <laughs> posts right now. So I mean by the end of by the end of 2022, you're gonna have 
you're going to have at least like what, 60, 70 something? Something like that, yeah. That's perfect. And that means you're going to have 60 or 70 songs, right? Wow. And, yep. I didn't even think right? about that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You're going to have 60 or 70 songs in a year. And right now you only have three, <laughs> which is great, but you're going to like, like 30 X how much you've already done just by one a week. Right. Yeah. Compound, compound habits. That's crazy. Dude, it, I'm telling you, man. And, and the vast majority of them are, are not going to get a great response. Like they're, they're right. not bangers. Like the vast majority of them, people are not going to be like, Oh, that was the best song ever. But there will be about <laughs> five over the next year that people are like, mm -hmm. Holy shit. That was awesome. And, mm. but then you do that for two years in a row, that five goes to 10, three years that t 10 goes to 15 or 20. And all of a sudden in three, right. five years, you're going to have a dude being like, how do you have so many amazing songs? Like, bro, I've got thousands of shit songs, but I've got <laughs> 20 amazing ones because I've done a new one every week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds great. Let's do Thank it. Bro. You. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Does that help? That helps incredibly. Yes. Thank you. Good. I feel good. A, new, a new type of motivation. <laughs> good. I love it, man. Is, uh, is there anything else I can help you with? Um, I think that's it. Actually, I do have uh, one more thing. I want to, if that's okay, I want to do kind of like a speed round of questions for you. Let's do it. Actually. Speed round. I love it. Okay. Okay. So number one, would you agree that you have said the phrase calorie deficit the most out of any other person on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, yes, I think I probably would hold that record. Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, okay. So, oh, oh do you, I'm sure, are you familiar with the 80-20 rule? Yeah, of course. Okay. So if there is something like this, what would you say is the 20% that drives the 80% of results for nutrition and fitness? Mm, that's a great question. So, so it's the Pareto principle, right? It's like 20%, 20% of, uh, it's funny. Like you could use it in, in many scenarios, but I'll use it in, you could use it, split it into nutrition and training, right? So one, mm -hmm. one, one aspect is nutrition. One aspect of tra uh, is training. So like I would say 20% of the exercises deliver 80% of the results mm -hmm. in terms of strength training, right? So, um, it's, you've got your squats, your deadlifts, your bench press, your pushups, your chin-ups, your rows, your lunges, your, uh, your hip thrusts, your single leg RDLs, your, your RDLs, um, your chest supported rows, not like the, not the, uh, you know, the jumping around all this other shit, like all like the, the <laughs> nonsense. It's 20% of the exercises deliver 80% of the results. I would say, okay. um, yeah. for, for nutrition, I would say. This is a little bit of a harder one for nutrition. I would say, oh, 20% of the food should make up about 80% of your diet, right? Ah. So, so what I mean is like, there's, there are tons of different foods in the world. And ideally you try as many of them as possible throughout your lifetime, because you should, you should try new foods, but for the majority of your diet, for the majority of what you eat, it should be whole, minimally processed, nutrient rich foods, fruits vegetables, lean proteins, high quality fats, right? Like 20% of the available food should make up 80% of your overall diet. Yeah. Awesome. Love that. Okay. That's a good question. 
Thank you. Yeah. Um, you should start your own podcast, man. You got, you, you should interview people. I think you do a great <laughs> job. I, I do you. interviews all day, every day where I'm on other people's podcast, two, three, four episodes a day. You're mm -hmm. phenomenal. You're great, man. You really are. Like you should, you should think make about making a podcast. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. I'll, I'll think about that. Um, Okay. You could release uh, one new song per week on your podcast. Just putting that <laughs> out there. Just play it live, yeah. Yeah, for um, real. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Um, <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, what would you suggest someone read and or watch that wants to get into history? I know you're a big history buff. Oh, man. <sighs> that is a great one. Um... Okay, I'll, I'm gonna say this one. It's I've posted it on my story a bunch recently, just because I, I recently I recently read it. Um, I'll say this: so Operation Paperclip is an unbelievable book. I do think it would help to have a little bit of a background on the Holocaust before you read it. Um, okay. That being said, not everybody. There's still a surprising number of people who don't know about the Holocaust and aren't really educated on it, but. Most people have a general idea of like six million Jews were killed and like 12, 13 million overall people were like innocent people were killed. Um, gay people were killed, uh, people with mental disorders or physical disorders, like just so many people were killed. But and these atrocities were committed by the Nazi party. Um, and there were specific members in there that were more uh, aware and, and driving factors in it. But either way, um, mm -hmm. there's a book called Operation Paperclip that tells the true story it was a it was a secret operation it was a secret u.s operation that brought i believe it was 1700 nazi scientists from nazi germany near the end of world war ii as germany was was about to lose the war the u.s sent a bunch of of special forces into germany and france and the surrounding area to capture Nazi scientists and bring them back to the United States, not as prisoners, but mm -hmm. under this Operation Paperclip, which which basically they gave them contracts. They changed their names, gave them new identities, gave them homes, brought their whole families with them and paid them large oh, sums wow. of money mm -hmm. to work in their science science programs. Now, this is a wow. huge, it was a massive secret. It was a huge undercover program. Uh, it did eventually get leaked and now they have books and everything about it. But right. so a lot of people would immediately say, how could they do that? That's terrible. Like what, how could they bring these Nazi scientists who were complicit in the killing of millions of innocent people? How could they do that? And, and that's, partly how I feel in some ways. And there were some people who should not have been brought over. They should have been hanged and tried in the Nuremberg trials and killed for their, mm. for their war crimes. But on the mm. other hand, there, there, there's a lot of other factors at play. For example, the Russians were also doing the same thing. And at the end of World War II, we were about heading into the Cold War with mm -hmm. Russia. And the Russians were sending their troops into Germany to take Nazi scientists because basically the Nazi scientists, they had the most advanced weaponry and, and warfare, chemical warfare. All of their weapons and everything were the best of their time ahead by the U.S., uh, ahead by 20 years plus. Wow. Um, yeah. And so the Russians and the U.S. were in a race to get the Nazi science information. And so the Russians wow. also took a fair amount. Um, mm -hmm. But basically the question the, – the, the, one of the reasons that they signed off on this operation was they're like, if we don't take them, the Russians will. 
And if the mm. Russians get these scientists, then we are screwed. Right. So okay. There was a race for it. Now, wow. then there's the question of like, well, how did we, why did we treat them so well? And da, 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 da. What a lot of people don't know is that we wouldn't have made it to the moon if it wasn't for Nazi scientists. The U.S. made it to the moon first because of Nazi science. We, there's wow. so many discoveries and so much has happened, uh, so much great science has happened as a result of those scientists that it's very difficult for me, even family members lost in the Holocaust. Like I'm a very proud Jewish individual, but I don't think that people would, um, I don't think that even many of the people in the, who died in the Holocaust would, would have said we should just lose all of this science. Just because, just I, I don't think that we should just lose it all. I think it would be important. And who knows? Maybe right. I'm wrong. But that's where where my opinion is on that. I do think there were some that should not have come. Like there were some people, and and they explain this in the book Operation Paperclip. That like some of the people who were so complicit and driving forces behind the Holocaust that made their way into the United States. And I don't think that their science was. I, I don't think it was worth it, but they still brought them over anyway. Um, mm -hmm. I also don't think that some of these people should have gotten the incredible treatment that they did. Like they got homes, lots of land, new names. Their families came with them. They were paid very well. Uh, it was like, wow, they really got the special treatment, which that right. does sort of get me the wrong way. And I don't agree with that. But an another example would be like, let's say, you know, you're you're in a war. Let's say you're in mm -hmm. World War II, right? And and you're right. fighting the Nazis, and uh, and that you like you destroy a Nazi outpost with a machine gun outpost. So mm -hmm. do you not use that machine gun on your uh, enemy be, just because a Nazi used it? I see right? what you're saying. Yeah, you know mm -hmm. what I mean. So it's like it's okay. So I that's one of a, a very common argument that someone would use to bring. All right, this is why we need to bring the Nazis back. But I do think it helped us with the Cold War, uh, and I, I do think it was the right move to bring many of them over so that we don't we don't lose all of that science. Wow. So, okay. Uh, I'm gonna read that book. Clip. Great yeah. book. I wrote it down. Operation Paperclip. I'm gonna check it out. Thank you. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, what? Um, well, I guess you kind of touched on the book, but what is one book, uh, one movie or show and one podcast you would recommend everybody to, to check out? All right. One book. Oh, I started to say the book. So one movie or show. Um, mm -hmm. let me see. You know, it's funny. Uh, I've watched a lot of shows. My wife and I right now, I mean, you know, what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go a different. Route. I'm going to give you two shows. Number one is the office. Okay. I think the office is yeah. my, my favorite show of all time. I love the office. Um, yeah. I could watch The Office over and over and over again, and oftentimes <laughs> I just have it playing in the background of my apartment, just because mm -hmm. it's uh, it's just it makes me feel good. It's just it's a comic relief. I just it's nice to yeah. have it on in the background. So I love that. I think we need more of that in today's society. Like just laugh. Like we need something. Like yeah. stop watching the news. Stop. Like turn off CNN. Turn off Fox. Watch something that's gonna make you smile. Like it's yeah, like, I agree. stop, get, get off mm -hmm. social media, get off like all, like you're getting all this propaganda thrown at you from the right and the left. Just mm -hmm. go watch the office, go watch something funny. <laughs> um, yeah. You know? Um, so I would say that. And then the podcast, so the podcast is funny. I don't listen to many podcasts. One of my, one of my favorite ones is, is the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm a huge mm -hmm. fan. Um, I think he's done an incredible job and I respect him a lot because he is who he is. And he's really inspired. I mean, man, that guy, 
I've seen some news stations take clips of him and string them together to make it say that, oh, he said this and like he didn't say that at all. And like <laughs> he's gotten so much hate from people for no reason. Like I'm a big fan of him and I really enjoy his podcast and I, I respect his ability to stay true to himself. Wow. Okay. Love it. Thank you. Um, okay. Just a couple more. Sorry. And then. Yeah. Um, no worries, man. Um, okay. Uh, you know, it's funny. One of them was if you would like to meet up sometime. So. Yes, bro. That. You're in Dallas. We're getting beers on me. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, okay. Uh, last one. How how would you sum up your philosophy for living a, a good and happy life? Man, you saved a, a deep one for last. <laughs> um, you know, it's... <laughs> I have to start off by saying, like, I don't think I have the answer to everything at all. I'm not by no means an expert in this. But Mm -hmm. if I were to give an answer, what I think is, I think it's not necessarily about chasing happiness. I think it's about chasing fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an important distinction between the two because, I mean, for example, you want to be a musician. Uh, You want to be a musician. You love it. You, You love it. But I guarantee you there are times that it's frustrating. It's just, it's frustrating. It's difficult. You're not Mm -hmm. necessarily happy, but when you accomplish something, you're fulfilled by it. And and I think that's really, when you do things that bring you fulfillment, you're not always making the easy choice. You're not always making the choice that makes you short-term happy. You're doing it because you know it's right in your heart Mm -hmm. and in your mind, in your soul, it's right. And it brings you fulfillment. And I think if you chase fulfillment on a daily basis, you really can't go wrong. Wow. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, well that, that's all the questions I have. Uh, finally, I just, I just really want to thank you for, um, for everything that you do, like just, just putting out content all the time, doing things like this, uh, podcast with your fans, um, and just, just spreading good science-based information and, uh, trying to help people. I, I really admire that about you. So thank you so much. Well, I, I appreciate you immensely. I'm, trim, I'm very impressed with you. Uh, I cannot wait to go out and get some beers with you. When we stop recording, I'm going to give you my cell phone number and we'll, we'll, so we can coordinate when you'll be here so we can get something to drink. Um, I, okay, I'm, sure. I'm really, really impressed with you. This has been a wonderful conversation, and I'm going to be looking out for your music so that I can uh, see the one new song every week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. I'm going to hit stop, and then we'll we'll exchange numbers. All right. Thank you, man. That wraps it up for this episode of the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. And if you'd like to join the Inner Circle, you can do that at the link in the show notes. Have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you soon.